Hi, this is Stephen Sherry for Radio Spectrum. The coronavirus pandemic has exposed any number of weaknesses in our technologies, business models, medical systems, media, and more. Perhaps none is more exposed than what my guest today calls the hidden world of legacy IT. If you remember last April's infamous call for volunteer COBOL programmers by the governor of New Jersey, when his state's unemployment and disability benefits systems needed to be updated, that turned out to be just the tip of a ubiquitous multi-trillion dollar iceberg, yes, trillion with a T, of outdated systems. Some of them are even more important to us than getting out unemployment checks, though that's pretty important in its own right. Water treatment plants, telephone exchanges, power grids, and air traffic control are just a few of the systems controlled by antiquated code. In 2005, Bob Charette wrote a seminal article entitled, Why Software Fails. Now, 15 years later, he strikes a similar nerve with another cover story that shines a light at the vast and largely hidden problem of legacy IT. Bob is a 30-year veteran of IT consulting, a fellow IEEE Spectrum contributing editor, and I'm happy to say my good friend as well as my guest today. He joins us by Skype. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, Bob, legacy software like a middle child or your knee's meniscus isn't something we think about much until there's a problem. You note that we know more about government systems because the costs are a matter of public record. But are the problems in the corporate world just as bad? Yes, uh, there's really not a lot of difference between what's happening in government and what's happening in industry. As you mentioned, government is more visible because you have auditors who are looking at failures and publishing reports. But there's been major problems in airlines and banks in insurance companies, uh, just about every industry that has IT has a problem with legacy systems in one way or another. Bob, the numbers are staggering. In the past 10 years, at least $2.5 trillion has been spent trying to replace legacy IT systems, of which some $720 billion was utterly wasted on failed replacement efforts. And that's before the last of the COBOL generation retires. Just how big a problem is this? That's a really good question. The size of the problem really is unknown. We have no clear count of the number of systems uh, that are legacy in government, where we should be able to have a pretty good idea. Uh, we have really no insight into what's happening in industry. The only thing that we do know is that we're spending trillions of dollars annually in terms of operations and maintenance of these systems. And as you mentioned, we're spending hundreds of billions per year in trying to modernize them with large numbers failing. This is one of the things that when I was doing the research and you try to find some authoritative number, there just isn't any there at all. In fact, a recent report by the Social Security Administration, Inspector General, basically said that even they could not figure out how many systems were actually legacy in Social Security. And in fact, the Social Security Administration didn't know itself either. So some of that is record keeping problems. Some of that is secrecy, especially on the corporate side. 
a little bit of that might be definitional. So maybe we should step back and ask what the philosophers call the T este question, the what is question. Does everybody agree on what legacy IT is? What what counts as legacy? No. <laughs> and that's and that's another problem. What happens is there's different definitions in different organizations and in different government agencies, even in the US government. And no one has a, a standard definition. About the closest that we come to is it's a system that does not meet the business need for some reason. I want to make it very clear, legacy by itself in the definition doesn't say that it has to be old. It's past a certain point in time, nor does it mean that it's COBOL. Uh, there are systems that have been built and are less than 10 years old that are considered legacy because they no longer meet the business need. The idea is there's lots of reasons why it may not meet the business need. There may be oscillates and hardware. The software may not be usable or feasible to be uh, improved. Uh, there may be bugs in the system that just can't be fixed at any reasonable cost. So there's a lot of reasons why a system may be termed legacy, but there's really no general definition that everybody agrees with. Bob, states like your Virginia and my New York and every state in the Union uh, keep building new roads seemingly without a thought. A few years ago, a Bloomberg article noted that every mile of fresh new road will one day become a mile of crumbling old road that needs additional attention. Less than half of all road budgets go to maintenance. Texas study found that the 40-year cost to maintain a $120 million highway was about $800 million. Do we see the same thing in IT? Do we keep building new systems seemingly without a second thought that we're going to have to maintain them? Yeah, and for good reason. When we build a system and it actually works, it works usually for a fairly long time. There's kind of an, an irony and a paradox. The irony is the longer these systems live, the harder that they are to replace. Paradoxically, because they're so important, they also don't receive any attention. In terms of spend, typically for every dollar that's spent on developing a system, there's somewhere between eight and $10 that's being spent to maintain it over its life. But very few systems actually are retired before their time. Uh, almost every system that I know of, of any size, tends to last a lot longer than what the designers ever intended. That Bloomberg article noted that disproportionate spending by states on road expansion at the expense of regular repair, again, less than half of state road budgets spent on maintenance, uh, have left many roads in poor condition. IT spends a lot of money on maintenance, but a GAO study found that a big part of IT budgets are for operations and maintenance at the expense of modernization or replacement. And in fact, that ratio is getting higher, that less and less money is available for upgrades. Well, there's two factors at play. One is it's easier to build new systems. So there's money to build new systems, and that's what we constantly do. So we're building new IT systems over time, which has, again, proliferated the number of systems that we need to maintain. So as we build more systems, we're going to eat up more of our funding so that when it comes time to actually modernize these, there's less money available. 
The other aspect is, is as we build these systems, we don't build them as standalone systems. These systems are interconnected with others. When you interconnect lots of different systems, you're not maintaining just an individual, you're maintaining this system of systems, and that becomes more costly. Because these systems are interconnected, and because they are very costly to replace, we tend to hold on to these systems longer. And so what happens is that the more systems that you build and interconnect, the harder it is later to replace them because the cost of replacement is huge and the probability of failure is also huge. Finally, and I promise to get off the highway comparison after this, there seems to be a point at which roads, even when well-maintained, need to be reconstructed, not just maintained and repaved. And that point for roads is typically the 40-year mark. Are we seeing something like that in IT? Well, we're starting to see a, a radical change. I think that one of the real changes in IT development and maintenance and support has been the notion of what's called DevOps, this notion of having development and operations being merged into one. Since the beginning, almost, of of IT systems development, we've thought about it as kind of being in two phases. There is the development phase, and then there is a separate maintenance phase. And the maintenance phase could last anywhere from 8, 10, some systems now are 20, 30, 40 years old. The idea now is to say, when you develop it, you have to think about how you're going to support it. And therefore, development and maintenance are rolled into one. It's kind of this idea that software is never done. And therefore, hopefully in the future, this problem of legacy in, in many ways will go away. We'll still have to worry about at some point where you can't really support it anymore. But we should have a lot fewer failures, at least in the operational side. And our costs hopefully will also go down. So we can have the best of intentions, but we build roads and bridges and tunnels to last for 40 or 50 years. And then 75 years later, we realize we still need them and will for the foreseeable future. Are we still going to need COBOL programmers in 2030, 2050, 2100? Probably. There's, there's so much coded in COBOL. A lot of them work extremely well. It's not the software so much that is the problem. It's the hardware obsolescence. I can easily foresee COBOL systems being around for another 30, 40, maybe even 50 years. And, and even that, I may be underestimating the, the longevity of these systems. What's true in the military where aircraft like the B-52, which was supposed to have about a 20 to 25 year life, is now 100 years old, replacing everything in the aircraft over a period of time. There's research being done by DARPA and others to look at how to extend systems and possibly have a system be around for 100 years. And you can do that if you're extremely clever in how you design it and also have this idea of I'm going to constantly upgrade and constantly repair the system and make it easy to move both the data and the hardware. Uh, and so I think, again, we're, we're starting to see the realization that IT, which at one time, again, systems designers were, were always thinking about 10 years is great, 20 years is fantastic. 
that maybe now that these systems, core systems, may be around for 100 years. Uh, age and complexity have another consequence. Unlike roads, there's a cybersecurity aspect to all of this as well. Yeah, that's probably the biggest weakness uh, in new systems as well as with legacy systems. Legacy systems were never really built with security in mind. And in fact, one of the common complaints even today with new systems is that security isn't built in, it's bolted on afterwards, which makes it extremely difficult. I think security has really come to the fore, especially in the last two or three years where we've had in this, in fact, last year we had over a hundred government systems in the United States, local, state, and, and federal systems that were subject to ransomware attacks because they, the attackers focused in on legacy systems because they were not as well maintained in terms of their security practices as well as the ability to be made secure. I think security is going to be an ongoing issue into the foreseeable future. The distinction between development and operations brings to mind another one, and that is we think of executable software and data as very separate things. That's the basis of computing architectures ever since Jean von Neumann. Uh, but legacy IT has a problem with data as well as software, doesn't it? One of the, the areas that we didn't get to explore very deeply in the story, mostly because of face limitations, is, is the problem of data. Data is one of the, the most difficult things to move from one system to another. In the story, we talked about a Navy system, a payroll system, the Navy is trying to consolidate 55 systems into one, and they use dozens of programming languages. They have multiple databases. The formats are different, how the data is accessed, what business processes, how they use the data is different. And when you try to think about how you're going to move all that information and make sure that the information is relevant, it's correct, we want to make sure we don't have dirty data, those things all need to to come to be so that when we move to a, a new system, the data is, is what we want. And in fact, if you take a look at the IRS, the IRS has 60-year-old systems. And the reason they have 60-year-old systems is because they have 60-year-old data on millions of companies and millions of or hundreds of millions of taxpayers. And trying to move that data to new systems and make sure that you don't lose it and you don't corrupt it has been a decades-long problem that they've been trying to solve. Making sure you don't lose individuals or, or duplicate individuals across databases uh, when you merge them. Or have information that's just wrong. One of the, the worst things that you can do is have not only duplicate data, but have data that is incorrect, and then you just move that incorrect data into a new system. Well, Bob, as I said, you did it before with Why Software Fails, and you've done it again with this detailed investigation. Thanks for publishing The Hidden World of Legacy IT, and thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Stephen. We've been speaking with IT consultant Bob Charette about the enormous and still growing problem of legacy IT systems. This interview was recorded September 18th, 2020. Our audio engineering was by Gotham Podcast Studio. Our music is by Chad Crouch. Radio Spectrum is brought to you by IEEE Spectrum, the member magazine of the Institute of Electrical and Electronic Engineers. For Radio Spectrum, I'm Stephen Cherry.